Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Oh, man, I am so glad for uh, vacation season. Amen? Everybody needs a vacation. I just got back from one. I, I truly enjoyed it. And I know that Sam is on a vacation this week and many others. Uh, this is Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but have you noticed that Queen Elizabeth is celebrating her, her platinum anniversary? 70 years as the monarch of England. Isn't that amazing? In fact, that's the longest reigning monarch of the UK. And if she goes just another half a year or so, I believe she will be the longest reigning monarch of all time. 70 years. Isn't that incredible? And they're, they're doing the longest celebration and everything else. But, but we're celebrating the birthday of the church. We're celebrating the fact that there is a, a lot of things that, that are talked about about the church and the birthday of the church. And, and, and there's a lot of this uh, amazing entity we call the church. There's a lot of things that we could talk about this morning, but I want to talk about one thing in particular. And I just want to go right into the passage of Scripture. It's found in, in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 to go stay at Jerusalem until they received power, and then they would be his witnesses. Now, Jesus was crucified some 50 days before at Passover. Pentecost, Pente means it's 50, so it's it's seven weeks plus one day. It's 50 days after Passover. Jesus was, was raised on the third day, and then he showed himself alive to his disciples for 40 days. So we can assume just by deduction that the disciples have been in Jerusalem praying and seeking God and talking about what God's going to do for seven days. Can you imagine having a seven-day church service? Man, who's going to be in charge of the potluck? Uh, but they were there, and then the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost came, and it's significant that the Lord chose Pentecost. Pentecost was the second feast after, after Passover, and it was the beginning of the harvest season. Let that soak in for a moment. Christ was the first fruits. The church on the day of Pentecost was the first fruits of, it was the beginning of the harvest season. And when Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly, now I love that word suddenly. They've been there for seven days waiting on the Lord and then, then the book Acts says suddenly, quickly. Like, oh, it just so happened. There, there, there was a preparation that took place. And the preparation was this. They were all together in one place. King James says they were all in one mind and one accord. That simply means they had one purpose and one motive. They were there to wait on God. 
They weren't worried about tomorrow. They weren't worried about the next day. They weren't worried about anything else. Their minds, their focus, their intent, everything, their purpose, their drive, their ambition was all about receiving what God had for them even though they didn't understand what it was going to be. Isn't that amazing? You say, uh, I, I, would like to have, I would like to have that in my life. I would like to, I'd like to see God move in my life. Make him your primary focus, goal, and ambition, and drive. And see what God does for you. Suddenly, there came a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That had to be really cool, don't you think? I mean, it's like, it's like having a hurricane inside your house, not outside your house. Oh, it was amazing. Let's go on. Because my, uh, my deluxe clicker is not working. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to set upon them. So there's this physical... Can you imagine seeing that? I've seen a lot of things. I've seen, I've seen in services where the presence of God was so strong that you could, all, you could see a little cloud, but I have never seen tongues of fire. That had to be pretty amazing. And, and it came to rest on all of them, and all of them were filled, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? The Bible goes on to record, I believe, 19 different dialects that they were speaking, and, and the people came together and said, how are they speaking all these a variety of languages? Because I know that they were just common fishermen. It was the Holy Spirit, and they were proclaiming the amazing things of God. Isn't that incredible? Now, I'm not here today to, to, to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I do believe that, that uh, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, the Alliance Church was built on one of those on, one of the, on that foundation of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, it was uh, Simpson way back when that, that he, was, he was part of the higher life, and, and that's what they called it before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, in Topeka, Kansas, and Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It, it's gone on throughout generations. It goes all the way back to Pentecost of people being filled, inundated, overflowing with the very presence of the living God. And it goes on today. It, it's something that's absolutely amazing. I don't know what I would do without having the Spirit of God within me. I don't know what I would do without having the presence of God. Can you imagine living life without God in your life? They were filled. Do you know what that tells me? That you can have different measures of the Spirit of God in your life. And if you read the book of Acts, you're going to find that in Acts chapter 4, they prayed again and they were all filled again. And they kept being filled. And you can be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled. And you want to know why? It doesn't evaporate. There's nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Is that we leak. And we need more of the Holy Spirit all the time. That's why Jesus said... In John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, 
staying close to the source, connected to the source, because we don't have the source within us. John, even though Jesus did say in John 7, uh, 37 through 39, he said, any man that thirsts, let him come unto me, and I will give him a drink of the living waters. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he said, this, he spoke of the Holy Spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. See, nobody had ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit up until this point on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was crucified. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He was glorified. And then the Holy Spirit fell. It's an incredible journey but I don't, and experience, but I don't want to focus on that. I really want to focus on something that is so essential to Christian life and Christian living. And it's the bond of grace of the Spirit. The bond of grace. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That, that veil was somewhere around three inches to six inches thick. Have you ever tried to tear a notebook? I mean, you can't even get one from from a small town and rip it, you know, you know, those big ones. Can you imagine a cloth, a tapestry so thick that rips from the top to the bottom? See, that was symbolic, that, that, that tapestry, that, that veil that was between where the, where the priest was and where the very presence of God was. It, was. it was representative of a barrier between God and man. There was always a barrier called sin between God and man. And when Christ died on the cross, his blood cleansed and made way for cleansing that there is no longer a separation between God and man. You and I have something that they did not have in the Old Testament. We don't have a barrier between us and God. And that's why being filled with the Spirit is so significant. Is because after Christ was glorified and people could be forgiven of their sins and cleansed of their sins, then they were eligible to be filled with His Spirit for the very first time in history. People could not just have the Spirit of God upon them, but in them. And it is a new birth. It is a being born afresh. See, John, uh, Paul, rather, in, in Acts 19, he was through the upper coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he came down to Ephesus, and he saw some men by a river, and they were praying, and he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. He said, well, how were you baptized? And they said, unto John. And then he preached Jesus, and they received Jesus, and then they were filled with the Spirit. There is a significant statement, a question that Paul poses in Acts 19. is simply this, have you received since you believed? 
There is a difference between believing and receiving. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for believers only. And you say, well, can I have more of God? Yes, you can. The Bible tells us that we can grow in grace. I want to talk about the bond of the Spirit. I want to talk about that bond. Years ago, we had moved cross-country. We were in California, and my brother-in-law had helped us move. And we were unpacking still, but in the garage, we had our priorities set up. We had our table tennis ready to roll. Now, over to the corner was an antique Duncan Five table that belonged to my wife's grandmother. It was old, and it was nice. Notice I say it was, because while we were playing table tennis, I actually got one to go across the net, and when it went across the net, my brother-in-law went for it, missed it, and broke one of the legs off the Duncan Five. Yes, we thought there was going to be a new crucifixion. <laughs> but between, between uh, a lot of prayer and glue, and we went out and I went down to the local hardware store and I found this amazing glue. I can't even remember what it was called. But they said, they said it will bond stronger than the original. And I thought, that's not true but we're going to try it you know what it is true because we glued it and that part never broke again some others did but that part never broke again the actual bond was stronger than before then before it was ever broken the bond was stronger than, and even in nature, you see this in nature, when, when, a, when a tree has a wound and it heals, the, the part that is healed is actually stronger than the rest of the tree. You take a, an oyster, and it gets a, a grain of sand or, or an irritant within in it, and, and it starts to form around that thing that was supposed to try to kill it and it forms a beautiful pearl Pentecost gives us a bond with the presence of God that all believers have that that is stronger than anything we've ever had. Before Pentecost, the Bible says that, that, that the angels desire to look into what we have, that, that before Pentecost, that, that, there, were, that there were men that, that God used, and yet, and yet here we are, and we no longer have a barrier, and that, that break that was in us, that, that break of sin has been fixed it has been healed it has been remedied by the blood of Christ and that bond that that comes through us having the spirit of God in us is stronger than the very first man that was ever created that you and I have a bond 
in our own life. We have a bond and an opportunity to, to develop that bond in our lives. Paul refers to this, this parallel of, of, of principles between the fall of man and the, and, and, the, and the rebirthed man. And he says, where the break of sin was, there is a bond of grace. Romans 5.20 says, but when, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where sin broke us, grace healed us. Where sin doomed us, grace frees us. Where sin destroys, grace brings life. And that grace comes through us receiving the very Spirit of God. The scripture tells us, don't you know that if the same spirit which dwelled in Christ dwells in you, it shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body at his coming? How many have his spirit? Do you have his spirit? It's not just a rhetorical question. Do you have his spirit? All right. Do you have the presence of God in your life? I'm not, I'm not talking about whether, whether uh, you, you've spoken tongues or not spoken tongues. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is the birthday of the church made, made us accessible to the very presence of the living God that we, as Jesus said, can be born again and that spirit which dwelled in Christ dwells in us. You say, I would like to have more of that spirit. Well, good, you can have it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You're as close to God as you want to be. You say, well, no, I'd like to be closer. No, you wouldn't, because if you did, you would. See, because God's not sitting over there being stingy with his spirit. God's not doling out a little bit of his presence here and there. God's saying, if you want some, come on. That goes for you, and it goes for me. It goes for this world. That on this, on this birthday of the church... We are invited into a relationship with Christ that is as powerful and as significant and as meaningful as we allow it to be in our lives. If you want just a small measure of God in your life, you can have a small measure of God in your life. Is God going to be content with that? Absolutely not. Was your mom content when you didn't call her enough? Was your dad content when you were out and didn't know where you were? See, God has a desire in his heart, in his passion to be one with us, to be connected to us. He has given us his spirit and he is inviting each and every one of us through the church 
how he has made a way and a place that you and I can have a relationship with him that is not built on our works, it's not built upon our deeds, it's not built upon anything else other than the grace of God and us emptying ourselves and receiving more of him. And he invites us into that. The reason why he came and died and rose again and and gave birth to the church was so that he could be in our lives. Where Paul said, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? There's no more temple needed. There's no more holy place and holiest of holies. We are the holiest of holies. We are the temple where the very presence of the living God dwells in this earth. And Christ gave us that. Peter says in, in, in 2 Peter 3.18, he says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. What does that mean, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? It simply means this, that you can have more grace. You can have as much of the Spirit of God in your life. You can have as much of the grace of God in your life. You grow in it. And how do you grow in it? It's in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let me get some books and let me study about him. It's not what it's talking about. When you started dating, started looking for a young lady or a young man, you, you wanted to know them. You got to know them, and some people you met, and you thought, hmm, that's as much as I want to know them. <laughs> and then you saw others, you thought, I want to really know them well. So you started having a conversation. And through conversation and through being connected and, and, and being together with somebody else and, and sharing life experiences and seeing how they react and how you react and, and how you work together in harmony, it's through life, it's through spending time together that you learn and you understand about somebody else. And Peter is trying to help us understand if you want to grow in grace, if you want more of the presence of God in your life, if you want to wade in the presence of God ankle deep, that's up to you. If you want to go waist deep, that's up to you. But if you just want to go head, dive in and go swimming and be submerged in the presence of God, that's up to you. And my heart's desire today is for all of us to get to that place that we say, God, no more of us and all about you. Let me experience you in your fullness. And it only comes through knowing him. Paul said it this way, Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul had been walking with him for over 30 years. What was he saying? 
can never know Christ enough. You can never get to the place you say, I know there, everything there is about him. Because to say that is to say, I know everything there is to know about God. I've said it before and I'll say it again, that if, if you run across somebody that says, I can explain God to you, you better run and run fast. We have a lot of theories and, and theologies and, and I'm praying some of them are accurate. But the reality is, the Bible never tells us that we have to understand God because we can't understand God. He just simply told Moses, just tell him I am. I am that I am. When we get there, we're going to understand him more. But the key is, the key is, having a desire to know him more. If you want more of his presence, have a desire to know more of him. And it's in the relationship. There's, you know, I, I told myself I wasn't going to talk about the Holy Spirit aspect of it in it because I know there's so much, you know, so many different opinions and beliefs and everything else. And, and I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe that a lot of people teach it as a, as a gift, as something that God gives you. And, it, and, and I look at it like A.B. Simpson. He said, once it was the gift, but now it's the giver that I seek. If you want more of the presence of God, if you want grace to abound in your life, seek the giver. And you will find that the gift and the giver are one and the same. You're not seeking a thing. You're seeking a, a person. You're seeking God to have more of him in your life. One of the most amazing things that you can have in your relationship with God is not only being able to talk to him, but hearing his voice. And the closer you get to him, the more he will speak to you in a way you understand. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. I listened to a, a story of a friend of ours, uh, or a person we know, rather, uh, this last week. Compelling story. He said he, was, he and another gentleman were doing some work um, in, in Alaska. And they were out, way out there in Alaska. And, and they were getting ready to go back and take this little uh, boat over to, to Anchorage and then fly out. Yeah, and one of the other guys that was there, he's a uh, pilot, he said, hey, let me save you some money. And he said, well, how, how are you going to save me some money? He said, well, I flew in here with my little airplane. And you can keep your ticket and I'll fly you to Anchorage. And then when you get to Anchorage, you can just keep your in this and you'll save some money. And he said, beyond his better judgment, he said, okay. So he got over to the airplane, him and a friend, and, and they looked at it, and it was clean, shiny, looked good. So they got in the plane, and the pilot was on the left side, he was on the front right side, and his friend was sitting in the back, and, and the plane started up, took off, 
got off the runway, was, and he thought, wow, this is pretty good. This is great. Then they got into the clouds, and the, and the pilot looked at him and says, I don't feel so good. And he said he rolled his, his eyes rolled him back in the head, and he passed out. Yeah, the guy in the back said, what's going to happen? And he said, well, I think we're going to die. So he said, here, here's the, here's the, here, here's, here's the uh, microphone. So try to get a hold of somebody. So he gives him the radio, and he's there saying, help, help. Can anybody help? hear us? Help, help. And then somebody finally comes on and says, don't you know the protocol? And he says, we don't know anything. Just help us, help us, help us. And, and he said, what happened? And they told him what had happened. That the pilot had passed out. We were in the plane, and neither one of us have any experience flying at all. He said, well, I tell you what, I'm in a freighter and I'm going to circle around your location until I get you connected with Anchorage and Anchorage will help you try to get in. He said, good luck. So he kept talking to him and he finally got Anchorage uh, traffic control on, on, the, on the radio with him. And the guy from Anchorage traffic control, he said, okay, we have found you. We've located you on radar. We know where you're at. He said, Here's the most important thing that you have to know. He said, no matter what it looks like, follow my voice. Don't follow what you see. Don't act on what is around you, but follow my voice. And he said, now here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. In about four minutes, you're going to crash into the side of a mountain. Do exactly what I say, or you're going to die. And he said he was terrified, but he followed the voice. Couldn't see anything around him. They're in the clouds, and, and they finally got a, a, around the mountain, and, and, they, and this voice kept saying, just follow me. Just listen and do what I say, and you'll be okay. And he kept listening to him and obeying everything he did. He had never flown a plane before in his life. Couldn't see where he was, but, but he was following the voice. And, and that voice finally said, okay, now you're getting ready to approach the landing strip in Anchorage. And when you come out of the clouds, you need to look for the cross because the, the lights were in a, in, a, in a cross shape. And he said, the cross will bring you home and he said just a couple of minutes later they, they descended out of the clouds and they saw it they saw the cross and he listened to the voice and he said he landed the plane he said he actually landed it about seven times <laughs> and got on the on the runway and stopped and the guy on the radio said Thank you for following my voice. So they got out of the plane and he said they were tired, they were distraught, they were nervous, they were a wreck. Went, got a hotel room, was there in about four o'clock in the morning, heard a knock on the door. And he opened it and he looked at the guy and he said, You're the voice. He said, I am. He said, I wanted to meet you personally and thank you for following my voice.
because in other circumstances and situations, there has been so many people that tried to do it on their own, and they have crashed and burned. But you listened, and you followed my voice. Would you stand with me? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. In this world that we live in, we can try to navigate life on our own, or we can listen to the voice of God. You will be more sensitive to the voice of God by allowing the Spirit of God to live and work and dwell and reign in your life. And it simply comes through obedience to Him. I invite you today, as, as Jesus said, He said on that last night, He said, take and eat this bread and this cup and do it in remembrance of me that, that I died that you may have life and, and we have the church the birthday of the church the church would be non-existent you would not be able to be here with the presence of God flowing through your veins without the cross of Jesus Christ he's the one that took away the barrier of sin and he's here today and he, he said I want to guide you home but you got to listen to my voice and when you listen to the voice and you're obedient to him, there's going to be a day that you're going to stand before him and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You followed my voice. We are here today as members of the church, the ecclesia, they called out filled with his spirit that we can have that voice in our lives we don't have to go to anybody else we have his word and we have his spirit and the bible says it's the spirit and the word that lead us into all truth i wonder today if we could uh, take time as we prepare for communion i'm going to ask uh, those that are going to help me, Tom, if you would come to this side, and Annie. Chuck, would you mind coming to this side, please? As you were taking communion today, I wonder if you could just take a moment and thank the Lord for allowing us to have the privilege of being his children. I wonder if we could go beyond that and just look at our own lives and say, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of your spirit. I want more of your presence in my life. And I know it comes through understanding you and walking with you and, and experiencing more of you. And I wonder today if we could just empty ourselves out and say, God, not me, but you. Let's draw closer to him today. Can we do that? Father, we thank you.